0: It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What makes a top draft pick? We get the perspective of one on today's Locked On Reds.
1: You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: You. Our locked on Reds, and my name is Jeff Carr. Steve Offenbaker will be along shortly. He is joined by Ty Floyd. You may have heard some about this brand new prospect to the Red System. He was drafted last year by the Cincinnati Reds, hasn't pitched yet in the minor leagues, but he is going to be a big part of the Reds' future pitching staff. And Steve got the chance to sit down and talk with him. He's a great conversation, kind of talking about his baseball journey, what led to the draft, his draft process. And and what he expects for his 2024. We're going to get into all of that on today's Locked On Reds podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. Locked On Reds is, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. We are your team every single day. And Steve and I are lifelong Cincinnati Reds fans. We have been addicted to this team basically for our whole lives. And we've turned that addiction into information for you thank you so much for making lockdown reds part of your day lockdown reds is of course brought to you today by fanduel make every moment more right now new users can bet five dollars and get 150 dollars in bonus bets if your first bet of five dollars wins visit fanduel.com locked on to get started and where we will get started today is steve and ty
2: floyd All right. As you can see, we have a very special guest today. We are joined by Ty Floyd, Ty, the number 11 prospect, according to Baseball America, drafted by the Reds in the first round in 2023. Uh, Hasn't pitched in the system yet, but that is coming very, very soon. Ty, we are so glad that you've had some time to spend with us and let Reds country get to know you a little bit.
1: Yes, sir. I'm excited to be here. Seems like a pretty great organization so far.
2: So going to pro ball, you're drafted uh, in the first round by the Cincinnati Reds. So I imagine uh, as soon as that happened, you did a deep dive on the organization, figuring out what the Reds were about, what the Reds had, you know, their philosophies, etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. So walk me through a little bit of your initial impressions of the organization and uh, of the big league club, of the coaching staffs. Uh, just kind of walk me through what you've learned so far.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a... Uh... I remember the first time I got on this. Uh, I went to Arizona and stuff, and I got to feel that kind of like, like that. It's it's not like all separate stuff. Everybody's together and stuff, and like they're really locked in on their players and stuff, and they really care about us all and stuff, and they have really set or set plans for all of us, so they know exactly what they want us to do and achieve that year and stuff, and they make throwing plans for us perfect and stuff to make it where it's adaptable for us. But I mean, first time I was in Cincinnati it was really cool. um honestly, I didn't know they but they were the oldest team in baseball and stuff, so that was a pretty cool fact for me and stuff but uh the fe- the stadium was really cool. I will say that's I didn't realize how nice the stadium was until I stepped on the field and stuff getting to see the background and the city and the city itself and stuff is is pretty crazy and then I got to go on the caravan event uh last week or two weeks ago and stuff, and I didn't realize how committed the fans were because. I came from a very committed fan base and stuff, but going to see that, I mean, the places we were going, I was quite surprised about how many people were at those events and stuff and how much they cared about being in the Reds.
2: So who was on your, uh, who was on your leg of the, the caravan with you? Who did you get to spend some time
1: with? It was me, Rhett Louder, Frankie Montas, and uh, Coach Bell.
2: Oh, very good, very good, very good. So yeah, the Cincinnati fan base is definitely very passionate. As as much as as the world's turning into a, a an NFL first uh, sporting focus, uh, Cincinnati remains a baseball town in spite of itself sometimes. And and the fans, when when the Reds are when the Reds are hot, when the Reds are good, the fans are unlike anything you're going to encounter throughout baseball. I can, I can guarantee you that. And Great American Ballpark is one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, I, I try and get back there at least three or four times a year. And uh, I just love being in that ballpark. It's it's pretty remarkable, I will say. So let's talk a little bit uh, about your interaction with the coaching staff. So you got to come up for the caravan. Uh, as you say, David Bell was on your leg. Uh, I would imagine you got to at least spend a little bit of time talking with him. And I wonder, did you have you had an opportunity yet to uh, have some conversations with Derek Johnson? Uh, one of the things that the Reds did Uh, That's a little bit more unique Uh, when they extended Derek Johnson as the pitching coach, they changed his role a little bit to make him basically the director of pitching from, you know, the majors all the way down through low a in Daytona, you know, he sets the pitching tone, he sets the pitching philosophy. So I wonder uh, if you've had a chance to interact with him at all yet.
1: I have not had an opportunity to talk to him or any of that. I mean, he's um, but all of his philosophies and stuff, he believes in, he passes it down to all the, coordinators and the pitching coaches that i've been with and stuff i mean we have a lot of meetings and everything that we've talked about in the meetings is strictly from what comes from dj he's um and it's great i mean everything he's been talking about i uh strongly believe in and stuff. but i I have not gotten a chance to talk to him as well
2: so are you the type of player that that likes the the analytics are you an information-based pitcher do you spend a lot of time in that what what's your level of analytics versus like old school just use your gut in, when you're pitching?
1: Um, I think I would have a good mix of both for me. I think big time in the offseason, I'm big, I'm a lot more analytical in the offseason stuff because that's where I know I can get better and stuff because that's the stuff that helps me understand why I'm pitching good or why I need to, what I need to work on, all that stuff. So I'm a good mix of it and stuff, but I feel like when the season comes into play, I don't really care about it as much because that's the time to compete rather than worry about what's going on analytically-wise. But there's a good mix of it. I believe in both of them.
2: What was your experience with that type of information in college? I know that college is moving that direction as well, as far as digging in with the analytics, having it available in game, uh, as far as matchups and information on hitters. What's that process look like? Will you go back to the dugout during a start and, and and pull a page on a guy or look something up to, to figure out what you're going to do in the next at bats? Uh, what, how's that process work for you?
1: Yeah. I mean, being at the school I was at, I had every resource in the world. I mean, we, my pitching coach was the head pitching coach for the Twins the year before, so I knew everything. Everything that they did in the big leagues, he incorporated into our here at LSU and stuff. So going from there and stuff, I it's kind of the same thing. I mean, I'm not the person that likes to dwell on hitters, like their tendencies and stuff. I like to. Uh, I'm not a big scouting report guy. And that's personally for me. There's a lot of guys that love to have scouting reports and see what they do, but for me. It's my stuff versus your stuff, and I'm going to believe in myself and my stuff compared to your stuff. So my strengths and your strengths, I'm going to bet on myself rather than bet on them. So, But, I mean, of course, there's some times where I need to look at it and stuff and see, like, all right, in bigger situations later in the game what their tendencies are, what they're going to swing at, and also I get to analyze what they did in the bats before. So more, more likely I'm not going to look at many scout reports, but, I mean, there's times I will look at them.
2: All right, let's talk about your stuff a little bit. If I ask you to describe Ty Floyd, the pitcher, what what's that answer look like?
1: Um, I would say, I mean, not only for me, but a majority of people, they'll tell me that I, um, I throw a lot of fastballs, which I don't mind. I mean, it's 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 my pitch, what I throw the best and what I have the most success with. But I have a lot of other really good pitches and stuff. I'd say my changeup is probably my better pitch. My better off-speed pitch is the pitch that I've... Uh, Really developed over the past two years and stuff. Really uh, get a lot of swing and misses on it and stuff. But uh, of course, I got my slider and I got a curveball as well and stuff. And I'm confident in those as well. But um, big time fastball guy, we'll say.
2: All right. And uh- that being said, obviously, there's going to be a little bit of adjustments that you're going to have to make now entering into the world of professional baseball. The hitters are just going to keep getting better and better and better. Uh, looks like in college, your your pitch mix, that fastball, you did throw it a lot upwards towards 70 percent of the time. And, and you're right. You got a lot of swing and misses. You You know, that fastball works well for you. Uh, if you had to, if you had to move to one of your breaking pitches more often—slider, curveball—which one do you think is a better pitch? Which one are you more comfortable with?
1: Well, I'd say my slider, but I throw—I throw both pitches to different. I mean, it's, it's all dependable on what the hitters like. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm more—I throw a lot more curveballs to lefties because that's, in a way, that's a more successful pitch because curveball is more up and down rather than a slider, right to left. It's going into their bat path rather than going to a righty going away from their bat path and a curveball kind of they can see it so i'm more of a slider guy to a right and a curveball guy to a lefty and stuff but if i had to throw to either i'd probably say a slider.
2: any chance you're uh working on adding anything else kind of screwy to the mix or are you just focusing on those four pitches and rolling forward
1: um i mean I'll, i won't ever say never but i mean right now those are the four pitches that I'm trying to work on the most. I mean, those are the pitches that I'm going to throw majority of the time. So those are the ones I really want to hone in and, and get better at and stuff. So those are the four. Maybe there might be a time where I start to develop a cutter or something maybe here later on if I need to, but those are the four main.
0: Still much more to unpack with Ty Floyd coming up here in just a moment. But before we do that, I wanted to let you know about one of today's sponsors, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel's got an amazing offer for new users. Just go to fanduel.com slash locked on and your first $5 wager that wins will get you $150 in bonus bets back as we roll into basketball season. Now with football season in the rearview mirror, we're talking NBA, we're talking college basketball. FanDuel's the place to go, whether you're talking about money lines, Point spreads, total over-under points for the games, and things like that. Great props. There's so many different same-game parlays that you can put together with basketball season, and FanDuel is the best place to do it. You can also check out Futures Bets. Uh, We've been talking about this for a while for the Reds, whether you're talking about their division chances. They continue to hover around plus 350 on their odds to win the NL Central. And their over-under continues to be at 82 and a half, despite the projection systems saying otherwise. Check all of that out at FanDuel. Again, go to fanduel.com slash locked on new users. $5 winning bets get you $150 in bonus bets back. FanDuel is an official partner of the NBA, an official sports book of Locked On. Thanks as always for making Lockdown Reds your first listen every single day. Uh, every day is coming up on the show tomorrow. We've got a lot to unpack with Jonathan India. We weren't able to get to it here today. We wanted to bring you this Ty Floyd interview, but we are going to unpack the Jonathan India two-year contract because I think it means two different things. And I don't necessarily know that any one of them is incorrect. We're going to have the, uh, we're going to not have the benefit of time. We're going to have to see how it all unfolds, but we will unpack for you the two big points for the Jonathan India contract on tomorrow's Lockdown Reds. So make sure you're in every day or by subscribing and following us on your favorite podcasting platform, hit that subscribe button on YouTube. And click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. Steve and I will be with you all throughout spring training. Pitchers and catchers report tomorrow. That's right. Baseball season is back, and I'm so happy about that. You're not going to mess it. We're going to be with you every step. Of the way, and for the rest of the sports world, you should check out Locked On Sports Today because they've got the first ever 24/7 national sports streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today brings you all of the local angles, like Steve and myself, on the biggest stories, as well as the national shows that cover every league. Subscribe to Locked On Sports Today on your on the YouTube app on your phone or on your computer. All right, let's jump back into our conversation with Ty Floyd.
2: All right, let's dive into a little bit about you. Uh, we like to have the minor league guys come on, especially when they're getting started in the system so that, you know, as I said, the Reds fan base can get to know you a little bit. I think there's an advantage then to when you finally get to Cincinnati, uh, people know you a little bit already. So so let's let's dig into you a little bit. Let's talk about uh, your relationship with baseball and, you know, how, how you ended up being a professional baseball player. Let's go way back. Let's talk about when you were a kid. Tell me a little bit about what your baseball experience was like. Were you a travel ball kid? Were you a Little League kid? How did that all play out?
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I played Little League my whole life. I mean, pretty much until the age of, I'd say, probably 12 to 13. I mean, it was something I always enjoyed doing. Luckily for me, I had all of my best friends back home that uh, played with me, so that was no reason for me not to play. But I also played travel ball. I probably strictly went into travel ball around 13, 14. I um, live in a super small town, so I'm a little bit far of a distance from a bunch of travel ball teams but i ended up driving like an hour every weekend and stuff to go play for the travel teams it was just something that uh, i enjoyed doing and i met some of my lifelong friends as well playing travel ball so
2: was it the type of situation where every weekend the entire family would load up in the car and and be heading
1: off to baseball games for the weekend pretty much mom had to get a bigger car because she knew how much stuff i had in the back for baseball and then uh my dad would always go, I mean, sometimes my parents had to work because as I got older and stuff, travel ball started coming in toward the middle of the week. So my mom being an administrator and a teacher and stuff, she luckily had the summers off. So she was always able to take me to the games and stuff until I started driving. And then my dad would switch with her on the weekends or they both go with me. So it was always a lot of traveling and stuff.
2: So you, uh, you mentioned me from a small town. You, uh, grew up down in Georgia, correct? Yes, sir. Ohio has this version of, uh, you know, a player of the year in high school sports. And it looks like your junior year, you were named some type of player of the year for your division in baseball, correct?
1: Yes, sir. What
2: was what was that experience like? Because I imagine that really put you on a lot of radars at that point.
1: Yeah, that year was probably the most fun I've ever had playing baseball. Got to do it with my best friends and stuff. Got to make it all the way to state championship. But, I mean, that whole year we just enjoyed I just enjoyed being there with all the guys stuff. And when you're having fun, it's easy to be good and stuff. But, uh, it was a crazy experience going through all that with all my friends and pitching as well. And then also playing position at the time. Cause in high school, everybody plays two positions, but, uh, that was a great time. probably one of the top five moments of playing baseball my whole life.
2: At what point along the way did you realize, Hey, there might be something here. I might get to keep doing this.
1: Uh, I would say junior year. After that junior year, I started realizing stuff. I mean, I would say beginning of my junior year, I started – or sophomore year, I started getting some uh, looks for colleges and stuff. And then as the longer I went on and stuff, I started getting these bigger schools, SEC schools and stuff. And then my junior year toward the end of stuff, I started – instead of seeing college scouts, you started seeing pro scouts and agents and all that good stuff. So when I had all those people talking to me, I figured I was like, yeah, I have a good opportunity to be able to do that and stuff.
2: So let's look at the decision of a Georgia boy picking LSU. Uh, Was was Georgia on the table? You know, this whole SEC rivalry is no joke, uh, as everybody knows. So uh, how did you end up at LSU?
1: Yeah, no, Georgia was definitely on my radar as well. I mean, who doesn't want to go to your hometown or home state and stuff? But um, I just went on a visit to LSU and stuff and like, it was really home. Like it felt like a home place I could make my make my baseball career for the next three, four years and stuff. It was uh very southern based. The hospitality there was amazing, great fan base, great coaches and stuff and people I really wanted to be around while I was there and stuff. But it it really stuck out to me when I went on my visit there and that's why I decided to go there.
2: Once you get to Louisiana and you're at LSU, uh, you had a pretty remarkable College World Series experience. Talk a little bit about pitching in that game where you ultimately would strike out 17 batters uh, tying a College World Series record.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was really cool. I mean, you don't really, I mean, I was very in the moment, so it wasn't really thinking about all the stuff that was happening, the strikeouts and all that stuff. I mean, my only mindset right then was that It's a tie ball game, and we're going into and after the inning, we're going into ninth inning and stuff. So that whole game, I was not I wasn't worried about anything that was going on, rather than us winning at the time. So only thing I think the one moment when I realized like what I'd done was after the last pitch. um, I knew I was done because how many pitches I'd thrown. So I was like, that's when I really got to bring it out, take it all in and stuff, and see all the fans and stuff. It was a quite the experience, I will say.
2: So moving from LSU, uh, I imagine pitching in the SEC, pitching uh, at that level, College World Series. You know, I think that had to go a long way in in making you feel comfortable in making this jump to professional baseball. Yes, very much so. When you made that decision, you know, to walk me through that process of of what made the time right to move from LSU and and go ahead and and sign with the team after having been drafted.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was eligible in my sophomore year as well to be drafted and stuff. But um, the main reason why I went to college in the first place is I felt like I needed to develop a lot more as a player. I think that was one of the things I needed to endure was all that failure and all the things that comes with college and getting to play with those competitive players and those talented players and stuff. So sophomore year, I felt like I was like, I think I can get another great year. I think I can get a, lot, a whole lot better this next year and stuff. And then when we got our new pitching coach, Coach Wes Johnson, I knew that he was going to develop me a whole lot more than I, he knew I could get to the play I needed to be and stuff. So going into that year and stuff and seeing the performances and the how much more of a stride I made as a pitcher and stuff, I knew after the end of the year that I was ready to go to pro ball.
0: There's been some talk as to his prospect value, but what does Ty Floyd expect from 2024? We'll get that from him coming up next. Before we talk about that, though, I want to tell you about another one of today's sponsors, and that is eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to its peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more, whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. Eligible items only, exclusions do apply, eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. You can follow the show in between episodes, follow us on Twitter, X at Jeff Carr with three F's from my Twitter handle. Steve's is at S Offenbaker with two F's and follow the show at Lockdown Reds. There's no F's in that. Also check out the Lockdown Reds Discord page. Got a a link in the description of today's episode. We'd love to have you talking Reds baseball with us. We've got a great group of folks talking Reds baseball all year long in between games during the off season. As we're heading into spring training, the Lockdown Reds Discord page remains very active. Also, follow InsideTheReds.com. I'm writing over there. Steve's writing over there. We have Caleb Sisk. We have uh, James Rapine. There's Austin Elmore, Rick Uchino, A lot of great folks writing about the Reds. And InsideTheReds.com. Bookmark that website today. All right, let's finish up our conversation with Ty Floyd. So let's let's look at what moving forward now looks like for you, Uh once you drafted
2: you didn't pitch for the reds organization after being drafted so i would imagine uh with spring training right around the corner you're kind of looking at the future now what do you know so far about what your schedule what your plan is uh, heading here into the 2024 baseball season
1: all i know is i report on the 13th that's all i know they um <laughs> i mean of course I, mean, I understand that it's like they want to see how well i do and what I, what's best for me and stuff but uh I'm not sure where I'll be. I mean, wherever I'm at, I'll be excited to be at, and I look forward to making it a challenge to get up to the very top level as fast as I can and stuff. But at the moment, I do not know where I'm going.
2: All right. So you've been out to Goodyear, obviously, and checked out the facilities there. Um, it's a great little ballpark, and and the the people out in Goodyear uh, are really supportive of baseball and supportive of uh, having spring training out there. Uh, I always have a good time when I go out there. So when you when you go out to 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 Goodyear now and begin this work. What are your areas of focus? What do you feel like the the primary things you need to work on are to set yourself apart?
1: Staying true to myself. I think that's the biggest thing to me. It's like knowing what I'm good at and sticking to that and have full belief in myself and doing what I know I can do and stuff. Just, I know, it can be going into pro ball, you can have a lot of disbelief and stuff. I mean, because you're facing pro hitters and stuff, so you get to hit around a little bit and stuff, but you got to have the confidence in yourself and stuff. So that's one thing I'm going into there, regardless of the situation or regardless of the outcome and stuff, still having that full belief in myself and knowing that I'm good enough to be here, I'm good enough to get hitters out and stuff. So that'll be my main focus going into spring training.
2: I always like to ask people uh, when I have them on, Ty, and, and this is just kind of an off-the-wall question, but it, it's fun because you never know what kind of answer you're going to get. You're going to do a lot of interviews along the way. People are going to ask you a lot of questions, but one that I like to ask people is what is something that typically doesn't get asked in an interview that you want to talk about. It can be about your family. It can be about a hobby. It can be about baseball. It can be about anything. Uh, But this is a great question to kind of get some insight on, on the things that are important to you in your life, so to speak. Uh, How would you answer
1: that question? Um, that's a hard one. I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I've talked and talked to many reporters, but I'm never a person that's talking about myself during, during uh when people are talking to me and stuff. That's the one thing I avoid. But, I mean, I wish that – I think catchers deserve a little bit more credit than they're giving stuff because people don't realize how hard it is to be back there and the pitches that they steal. Because, I mean, you look on the TV and stuff, you can see that, okay, that's a good pitch it's a strike and stuff. But a lot of times if a catcher's not doing his job, it's not going to be a bar strike and stuff. So, I think the one thing I like to talk about is I like to, about the catchers and stuff because – going through college and going through pro ball and stuff, there's a lot of talented catchers and stuff, but they do a lot bigger. Their their job's very, very big in the game and stuff because they're the kind of the people that see over everything that's going on in the field and stuff, and they're directing traffic as much as possible. So I like to talk about the catchers. I mean, there's other things. I mean, I mean, of course, the great plays that my position players talk about or all that good stuff, but I don't know if anything like anything specific, though, besides the catchers and stuff.
2: All right. Well, let's unpack a few of the things you said there. Um, let's talk about the catchers for a minute because the catching situation uh, has become more and more and more important and there's a lot more focus. What do you like to have from your catcher uh, during times? Let's let's talk about times where you may be struggling. Do you like to have a catcher that comes out and talks to you and and, and tries to settle you down? Do you do you call your own pitches versus do you like having a catcher that just kind of calls the game for you? Uh, walk me through your relationship with your catcher.
1: Yeah. I mean, if, catcher, if if my catcher knows that he sees I'm struggling and stuff, I don't mind him coming out there. Cause all that is just for me is it gives me a second to breathe and also reset and stuff. And just give me a little bit of words of encouragement and stuff. I mean, I mean, I, I, I can usually always snap it in myself and stuff. So that's not a problem, but it's always good to have someone to come out there and just kind of tell them to reset yourself and stuff. But I mean, calling pitches and stuff is different with everybody because going through the system and stuff, you're going to be having different catchers all the time. So it's hard to say let them all call your pitches because they don't know you as a pitcher truly until you get to the big leagues if you've been there for a while. So I'll talk to the catcher, of course, before the game and stuff. And, I mean, there'll be catchers that catch me majority of the time during the minor leagues the longer I'm there. But if there's a pitch that I think I should throw and stuff, of course, I'll shake off on it. But um I think once I get to know the catcher a little bit more and he understands me more, I'll let him call the game because, I mean, he can see the stuff that I can't see sometimes as a hitter because he is a hitter and I'm a pitcher and stuff. But um, I would call, I'll call my pitch and stuff. It's a good mix. I mean, I'll, if I don't like it, I'll, I'll shake and stuff. And then if we disagree about it in the next inning and stuff, we'll come and talk about it in the dugout and stuff.
2: What was your process like in college? Did you, did you and your catcher sit down before the game and, and develop a, a, a game plan? So to speak of what it was you were going to try and do that day, or was it just more of making sure you were on the same, same page about what pitches were working better than others. And then just wait for the moment to present itself.
1: Yeah. Just waiting to see what pitches were working the best. Cause of course you can go into the day knowing, Hey, I'm going to do this a lot of stuff, but there's times where you go warm up and you might not have it that day. So that's the days you got to start figuring out what's working for you and stuff and managing that. So that was the thing for me. is that kind of stuff, just talking to each other just uh, after my catch play and stuff and see what I'm doing well.
2: All right, we'll get out of here in just a second. I do want to ask you before we go, uh, what other things do you like to do besides baseball? What, uh, what are off season activities like for you? What is, what is your world away from the sport
1: look like? um i'm a very uh, outdoors person I, I mean i love hunting and fishing and stuff i mean that's one of the things i grew up on and stuff besides playing baseball i've always enjoyed doing that kind of stuff i mean i travel a little bit i'll here and there i'll go to back to louisiana or i go to arkansas or something like that to go hunting a little bit or texas stuff, deer hunting stuff but also i had to play guitar i kind of grew up on that i mean that's one of the things my granddad taught me as a kid and stuff so i have played that my whole life pretty much and uh, just being outside just getting to see the family and stuff enjoying those times with the family while i'm here and stuff because not here very much after i leave so but just mainly as an outdoor person
2: so guitar so we should we be expecting the ty floyd greatest hits album to drop you know or live from good year we got we got something coming
1: we got something oh no nah, that's yeah although I, maybe for my roommates but i mean i mean I, I know i'm pretty good but i'm not i'm not that anything special like some of those other players could be
2: you know former uh former Reds pitcher uh Bronson Arroyo I don't know if you know him or not uh yes. but he he uh he's a musician as well and he uh he's been on this show several times and and he's putting out music and and he plays gigs in Cincinnati and uh so you know you never know maybe there will be a collaboration somewhere maybe along so. the maybe way. One
1: day we'll have to play together. All right, listen,
2: Ty, I really appreciate you taking the time to be here and letting uh, the Reds fan base get to know you a little bit. I am sure that we're going to be hearing lots from you. We're going to be following you along the way. And definitely, as you're moving through the system, we'll we'll check in again and have you back and, and discuss uh, how things are progressing. All right?
1: Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you all for having me.
0: The journey of a prospect is such an interesting one. And I always appreciate the opportunity that we get to talk with different prospects. I I was kind of bummed. I wasn't able to join this one with Steve, but it's great to get their perspective and, and see exactly what their journey has been like, especially as you go through the draft. The MLB draft is so unique. It's far different from the NBA or the NFL draft. I don't think there's as much pomp and circumstance around it, but this is what these guys have worked for their entire lives. And it's really fun to see how that culminates to them and they, they go to an organization like the Reds and hopefully Ty Floyd can really develop. There's a lot of hype surrounding what he could turn into. He's already rated, as as Steve said earlier in the show, he's rated by Baseball America as the number 11 prospect in the Red system right now. And he hasn't thrown a pitch yet. So what? how does that change? Does he have a meteoric rise like Graham Ashcraft? Or you know, is, is it a little bit more of a slow build, but we still see him in a couple of years? There's a lot to get into when it comes to these different prospects, and we're always going to be here with you, hopefully getting as many prospects as we can to talk. We'll we'll see who else we can get on the show, especially as we get into spring training, uh, because it's going to be a very fun year for the major league side, but that doesn't mean that the Reds' farm system stops. There's still going to be lots going on. We're going to keep you as up-to-date as we possibly can on the minors as well as the majors, But that'll do it for us here on today's episode. Thank you so much for checking out today's Lockdown Reds. Make sure that you subscribe if you haven't already done so become a Lockdown Reds every day by subscribing on your favorite podcast app and right here on YouTube and then also click that bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you. But until then, you can trust, oh, I almost forgot, tomorrow, Everydayers, by the way, we are going to unpack the two main points of the Jonathan India contract extension that really have me befuddled, and I'm sure that Steve also has plenty to say about these as well. You're not going to want to miss it. That's on the next Lockdown Reds podcast. We'll see you then.